Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to the Sports Credential Podcast. I'm your host, the editor of the Sports Credential, Stephen Boero. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, I'm having so much fun talking to you guys, and I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves listening in. We got a great episode ahead of us talking about uh, March Madness, which just wrapped up. Got some big topics to talk about that. Uh, Sounds Baseball took off this weekend. I hope you guys got a chance to go out to a couple games. Big doubleheader on Saturday. And uh, Nashville C picking up a big, big win on Saturday as well. So we got a great few things to get into this episode. Um, You know, four episodes in, it's always trying to find your groove, what sounds good, what doesn't sound good, you know, what works for the show, what doesn't work for the show. So please, um, if you guys have any issues or have any suggestions or questions or things that you'd like me to talk about a certain topic or a certain team you'd rather you'd like me to dive into, please feel free to tweet at us or DM us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. You can hit me up on Twitter uh, at SJ Boero Sports. That is at SJ Boero Sports. Last name is B-O-E-R-O. So, yeah. Uh, hit us up if you have any questions or certain things you guys want us to talk about because um, there's a lot going on here, especially with the summer coming into the summer. A whole lot of uh, Titans news, a whole lot of draft talk, some draft talk with the Preds as well. Uh, we're getting into racing season with uh, the fairgrounds and the NASCAR is going to be in town in just about a little over two months. And then before we know it, we're going to be into IndyCar. And even before we know that, we're going to be back into Titans football and college football. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a really fun couple of weeks and I'm excited to be here with you guys to talk about some awesome things heading into the summer this year in the Nashville sports world. Uh before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to the Power Hour podcast through the Titan Up Network. The Power Hour podcast had me on as a guest on Monday, this past Monday, April 3rd to talk about the Titans, talk about some football. And they invited me to have a little debate with them talking about who owns the Houston Oilers name, who owns that brand. And we had a great uh, discussion uh, with uh, the two hosts, Michael Bishop and Lee Hillis over at the Power Hour podcast. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I was so uh, honored and just so uh, surprised to see that they called me up and said, hey, would you like to hop on the podcast on Monday to talk about some Titans, talk about some NFL football? And it was tons of fun. Um so you can find that episode on their Twitter. Uh, it's a pinned tweet, or you can just go right to their YouTube page, which is in their bio. You can find them on Twitter at the Power Hour Six One Five, and they have the episode right there in front: Tennessee versus Houston. Who should hold the rights to the Oilers? Or you click the link in their bio, which sends you right to their YouTube account, and you can click on live, and it'll be the first episode up on there. So yeah, once again, thank you so much to Michael and Lee for having me on and, uh, you know, let me get a couple shout outs about the sports credential and get to be able to talk about some football, talk a little bit about the draft, talk about a little bit about free agency and the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and the Ravens and Lamar. And uh, so it was, it was tons of fun. So if you guys need another place to listen to some Titans podcast, please give the Power Hour uh, a listen to. They're live on Mondays around eight o'clock central time. Uh, and they talk about a lot of fun stuff and Lee and Michael know what they're talking about. They know the ins and outs of the draft guys. They know so much about the teams and they're just focused in. They got some great opinions. So please give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram and hit them up on 
YouTube as well. But now let's dive into our opening topics. And like I said earlier, it was a great weekend of sports. Uh, first off, uh, Sounds kicked off their season with two wins and a doubleheader, both walk-off wins in that doubleheader on Saturday. Obviously, Friday game got postponed due to the weather. Even though it happened a little bit later, they wanted to play on the safe side, especially with uh, fans and you know families driving out to the stadium. They didn't want any issues, so but they got a beautiful Saturday and uh, taking on the Louisville Bats to open up their season. Big game for the Sounds in game one, going into extra innings, obviously with a doubleheader being a seven-inning doubleheader for each game's being seven innings. Uh, going in 1-1 into the eighth, and uh, Tyler Naquin taking off, hitting a two-run home run to give the Sounds a 3-1 lead in the first game. And then later that night, the second game, Sounds took it 5-4, also, that went into the ninth inning. That would be the second inning of extra innings with a seven-game doubleheader. So, once again, just exciting, exciting stuff for the sounds. They, they, they put together a good, really good team. Uh, they really showed off that they, can, they had the talent, and they had a great season last year. It was really exciting, and I got to go to the game out on Sunday. They weren't able to pull out the win, but some decent pitching performances for them. Always a fun time to go out to First Horizon Park and watch the sounds. Also this weekend, on Saturday, Nashville SC taking on Orlando in a big, big game. that, that they was a borderline must-win for them after dropping two consecutive games, first to New England and then Cincinnati, both losing 1-0. So a point would have been great for them against Orlando, but picking up those three points and getting back on the winning side would have been even better. And, of course, they pulled through with who other than Hani Mukhtar. Um, there's not much you can say about that guy. He's just spectacular. He was all over the place. No matter what Orlando was doing, trying to foul him, trying to stop him, there, there was no way they were going to stop him. And he really set up a beautiful goal in the first half. Uh, after he was fouled, he didn't waste any time. He got up, kicked the ball right to Fafa, Picol, uh who finally was able to get his first goal this season. Another great game from Fafa. Just a lot of great footwork, a lot of great movement, showing some speed on and off the ball. But it was really Hani Mukhtar helped set him up perfectly. Hani with a fantastic goal uh, later in the game to make it 2-0 for uh, Nashville. So a goal and an assist this week for Hani Mukhtar. And uh, I think Gary Smith said he's just, He's an unbelievable player, and we all know that. It's just um, so important that they could get that win and Hani could get that first goal and Fafa could get that first goal and kind of get it out of the way, and now they can start focusing on some of the bigger games. This next weekend, they have Toronto uh, at Geodis Park this Saturday. Uh, we will be getting a little bit more into that and you know what the season could hold for them, especially with um, a team like Toronto, who's solid. Um, there could be a great opportunity for them to, you know, start a winning streak and pick up a win at home. But the biggest thing I'd like to talk about this episode is March Madness. Obviously, our first episode of the Sports Credential Podcast, talking about March Madness, which was about to get started. And here we are uh, four weeks later, and we have two winners in UConn for the men who were just unbelievable and just the best team in the tournament, undoubtedly dominating all six games. 
winning in double digits in all six games. They, they were just unbelievable. And then you got LSU taking down the mighty Iowa with Caitlin Clark and all the hype that was around them and, you know, how, how spectacular her performance performances were in this tournament. So really, really two exciting tournaments, a lot to unpack there about the future of the tournament on the women's side. It's a lot to unpack there, especially I'd like to dive into the women's tournament and what this specific tournament means for women's basketball moving forward and what it means for women's sports, especially at the collegiate level, because they pulled in some major, major ratings. I would say the biggest superstars that come out of these tournaments were the the girls, the ladies. They were the ones who became the superstars that people were talking about after games. Uh, while you look at the men's, they had the teams. They had UConn. They had Miami making a deep run into the Final Four. They had a team like FDU, you know, taking out number one Purdue. They had Princeton making a little run. They had Arkansas being a fantastic team. We saw Gonzaga battle out with UCLA. So it was more about these great performances by the teams while the ladies really had the personalities. They had the players. They had the attitude that were they were putting up 40 points, Caitlin Clark. They were uh, shushing fans out in the crowds. They were, you know, it was very intense, very competitive. Uh, a tournament that I feel like we haven't really seen, and it feels like women's basketball is finally starting to get the attention and even some of the credit that it hasn't been getting because uh, it's just becoming more, it's becoming a more competitive tournament for the ladies. You know, you, you see certain teams dominate. You always saw teams like the Lady Vols and the uh, UConn's women and South Carolina these last couple years and Notre Dame was always in there. But now you're having a real mix of teams coming in there and these ladies can really shake some things up. They can t- t- take down a top two, a top one seed, uh, it's no longer the men who have the upsets. The ladies are really showing off. And I would say this March belongs to the ladies. It, it belongs to players like Caitlin Clark. You know, as fun as the men's tournament was, and it was how awesome it was to see uh, Coach Dan Hurley and UConn win it all and see the mid-majors like FAU and Princeton and uh, obviously San Diego State had a great run finishing just as runner up it was it was lots of fun to see watch the men's tournament but um the final four between the ladies i mean iowa versus south carolina lsu versus virginia tech those games were fantastic uh super intense in your face kind of these ladies really showing off um and there's a lot to unpack here about what the future of women's basketball is going to look like and it's a, obviously it's going to be a very good future. If this was the first tournament of, of what's to come. I think uh, there's going to be more fans involved. There are going to be more sponsors involved. People are going to be tuning into games more. And there's going to be a lot more players that are going to get the credit they deserve for both what they do on the court and as well as their personality off the court. Because that's what we see in basketball. We see players that come about and they're great on the court. But it's their personalities what sells as well. I mean, you could have the best player in the world, but if he's the most boring person 
ever he's not going to be able to grasp certain things and uh, the, the ladies have that they're just as competitive as the guys they can be just as ruthless as the guys they can be just as dominant as the guys and uh, i think when people start to see that there's going to be a lot more at stake it's going to mean so much more and probably the biggest thing to come away from this tournament are the numbers for the championship and final four games for the ladies so let's take a let's take a quick look into what those numbers are. And in fact, if you head to the Sports Credentials website, we will have a story there about the women's Final Four breaking ratings records, while the men, in fact, uh, saw a little bit of a decrease from last year. Still, both games were had more ratings in the women's final, but that was to be expected. But still down from last year, but up from 2021. So very interesting. These numbers, it's always fascinating. I said this in the first podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do during tournament time is a look at the ratings because it's just so fascinating because there's so many different aspects that go into why people will watch, why people won't watch. Do people really like the underdog story or do, do they want the big battle between Duke and UNC in a final four? Do they want a US, US, uh, UCLA versus Arizona and, you know, the elite eight. So there's all these discussions and topics that I'd love to get into, but let's focus on the ladies right now. Let's look at these numbers. So the championship game between LSU and Iowa averaged about 9.9 million viewers on ABC and ESPN2, according to Nielsen's Fast Nationals. Uh, that is up 103% from last year's final, which was between South Carolina and UConn. Those two games were on ESPN and ESPN2. This year, 9.9 million people watched that final between Iowa and LSU. Last year, it was only about 4.85 million. So, I mean, that's unbelievable. I definitely have to say it's the the hype. I mean, Kate Buchers obviously had the hype last year, and she still has a hype. She's one of the best to ever play in, at the women's level, at the collegiate level for women's basketball. But I, I think Caitlin Clark just kind of swept everybody by storm, dropping 40 points, getting other players' faces, just having that attitude and just being such a smart basketball player, especially if you look at the way she played against South Carolina in the Final Four. Now, South Carolina's got some big players, and you know, you'd think that height advantage would would have been what helped put South Carolina over the top. But that that didn't matter. Caitlin Clark outscored the South Carolina team herself in that fourth quarter in the Final Four. I think if you look at what she was able to do and what this LSU team was able to do, especially behind Coach Kim Mulkey, with the way she dressed and how animated she was, and you know, how she kind of became a this new face of women's basketball in the coaching world. It just was, there were so many more personalities. There were so many more people to say, did you see so-and-so last night? Not just did you watch the game or did you see the UConn game or did you see the Alabama game? It was, did you, did you see Caitlin Clark play last night? It, it was stuff like that. And then you look at LSU, did you see Angel Reese play last night? And, it, you know, she really, as a sophomore, just playing as fantastic as she has, and LSU, I, I just LSU was a, it's a great team. Obviously, they're the best team right now. But uh, going into this tournament, I knew they were a good team. They were a three seed. I didn't have them in my cards as winning at all. After them, t after they took out Virginia Tech, who took out Tennessee, 
I thought Virginia Tech was going to have a good shot, but LSU just powered through and, you know, claimed that championship spot. And I thought it was going to be a closer game on Sunday between LSU and Iowa. And, you know, LSU dropped 103 points in a final. In a women's NCAA final, you don't really see those types of numbers. Um, And I, I just think it shows how the sport is changing and how it's becoming more competitive, how there is more parity. You know, the, the conferences are no longer top-heavy with certain teams going being the ones that you're always going to see in the Elite Eight and Final Four and winning a championship. It's We're seeing a lot more teams. A team like LSU, which I, I probably wouldn't have picked. I definitely wouldn't have picked. I don't think I had them going that far. I think I had them going to maybe the Elite Eight, maybe the Sweet 16. Definitely not winning at all. And it's going to be exciting to see. Um, I think that I won't be surprised if in a few years the tournament moves from ESPN to maybe somewhere else where people can watch uh, easier instead of just being on cable. Uh, if you look at that number from this year, it was on yeah, 9.9 million people tuned in to watch it. It peaked at 12 million. Uh, I mean, 12 million people tuning in to watch a women's basketball championship is uh, it's just mind-blowing, and it's fantastic for the sport. Uh, and then you look at last year's 4.8. That was only on ESPN and ESPN2. And once again, it's if you allow people access to certain sports, they will watch. You know, it's the same thing with a sport like Formula One. Now that it's on ESPN and people don't have to go, you know, digging for it, people are going to watch it. And the same goes for uh, women's basketball. I've always been a women's college basketball fan. It's fantastic for the sport to see people watch and tune in people talk about and even people say that was the better tournament and i have to say i think the first half of the tournament belongs to the men with all those upsets and those really close games going into the uh going into the sweet 16 and the sweet 16 but the second half elite eight final four championship that belongs to the ladies those were unbelievable games even the sweet 16 for the ladies fantastic just intense Great scoring, great performances, a lot of emotion, which is what you want to see in tournament basketball. And the ladies gave us that well over what we expected. And it was really exciting to see. And I I think that not a whole lot of people expected to see that because they don't watch a whole lot of women's college basketball. There's a select few of us out there. I shouldn't say a select few of us. There's thousands and thousands of people that love women's basketball. But those who are basketball fans, but maybe that aren't paying attention to women's basketball as much, when you're like me, that, that comes from a school that has a fantastic women's basketball program, uh, me being a Belmont alumni and being able to watch their fantastic teams and their fantastic program, you understand the type of competition and a level of talent that is in women's basketball and the college level. You know, if you come from a school that maybe doesn't have a big women's college basketball team or their men are completely, the men's program is significantly better than the women's program, it's not on your radar, so you're not thinking it. So when you turn in for the women's tournament and you're like, wow, this is amazing, it's because... They're just not seeing it. And that could be for a plethora of reasons. And that could be for either the school's not promoting the team as well. The team is just not that good, which is plenty of bad teams out there. 
the school isn't a basketball school and they're a football school. We see that a lot. By going to Belmont and seeing how amazing that women's basketball program was and how a lot of the times they were the ones kicking butt and the men's were playing a catch-up, trying to get into the tournament, trying to get into that championship game in the OVC conference or the ASUN conference and seeing women, the women's basketball team with players like Darby Maggard, Sally McCabe, uh, Ellie Harmeyer. Uh, it just the players go on just over the last five years. Obviously, recently with Destiny Wells and Tootie Jones and what Bart Brooks has been able, able to build over at Belmont is unbelievable. So guys like me that come from a school with a fantastic women's basketball program, same thing with the Lady Vols, same thing with UConn. If you, if you go to UConn, you know you have two of the best basketball programs, both men and women's, over the last 20 years. It's, it's unbelievable. So when you come from a school like that, or you, you go to the school, you're a fan of a school, you see how great these women programs are. I, I'm happy to see now that w- how well this tournament was and how fantastic it was and it being on ABC and fans being able to watch the game easier, especially for those who maybe don't have cable, don't have ESPN. They were able to see what so many women bas- uh, women's basketball fans have been able to see over the last couple of years. They've been, they've been watching this. They've been seeing these great players. They've been seeing these superstars. They've been seeing this level of competition, and it's only gotten better. And now it's so good that the rest of the world, the, I should say the rest of the nation, is tuning in, and they actually care about. And it's something that's marketable now. And now we enter a whole new world of name, image, and likeness, NIL, and how that is going to change not only the college athletics world, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, but especially the women's world, because there's always that argument there's not enough money in women's sports. You know, it's not as marketable because the men always have more ratings. They have the shoe deals. Uh, obviously, the pipeline to professionals is uh, easier and it's faster and there's a lot more money. But regardless of the pipeline, regardless of the debate versus NBA versus WNBA, because it, there's only one real answer there and the NBA is still king. And WNBA has got a lot of work to do to get up to those standards. But looking at just the college level, the tournament is the tournament. And maybe college women's basketball is not going to be super popular during the regular season. And it's always going to be hard to get people to tune in for certain games in the regular season, especially if people aren't familiar with certain rivals. Everyone knows Duke and UNC is a big rival and Kentucky and Tennessee. There's always those big rivalry matches. But in women's basketball, there's certain rivalries that players aren't very familiar of. It's always going to be hard to tune in, and it's going to take take some time for people to know these programs, to know these coaches, to know these players. But the tournament is fantastic. It's four weeks, and we get to see some of the best college basketball on the planet. And the only thing better is a men's tournament. And sometimes that is not the case. And that certainly was not the case this year. I would say the women's tournament was much better than the men's, especially that second half. And when you get into that world of now, these young ladies can start making money off their image. And we're going to know their, their personalities. You get to see a player like Caitlin Clark. Uh, she's got two more years of eligibility. She was just named wooden player of the year. She was named, I believe the AP player of the year. Uh, she was the player of the tournament. Uh, people were just 
were enthralled by her, not only because she was dropping 40 points in a triple-double, but because she was, you know, waving her fingers. She was getting in players' faces. She was, you know, she showed a lot of attitude, and people love that. Basketball is a sport of smack talk. Basketball is a sport of attitude and personality. And for that to be really recognized on the women's level is so important for the growth of the sport. Obviously, we saw all the controversy about Angel Reese on LSU getting in Caitlin Clark's face and players saying that was classless. And on this debate, you know, people brought race into it. When Caitlin did it, it was fine. She's white. When Angel did it, people got upset and she's black. I, I think it's all just ridiculous. You want these players to be competitive. You want this to be a top tier tournament with top tier players. They're going to get emotional and they're going to get in each other's faces as long as it's somewhat respectable as in the sense that there's not nasty words thrown at each other, that there's no physical aspect of it other than what's happening on the court. And they're just, you know, smack talk or getting each other's face or pointing to the finger to show I got I'm going to get a championship ring. The guys have been doing that for years. Steph Curry's been doing it. All the NBA guys have been doing it. And these ladies, they're they're young adults. These are not children. We're not trying to protect from getting cocky or something like that. This is a national championship. And with NIL now, we could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars these girls can be getting by being a national champion now. A trip to the White House, sponsorship deals, more money for the program, helping build the program. These are life-changing experiences, especially if the girls that want to go pro. They can go overseas and make a lot of money. They can go to WNBA and be superstars there and make, you know, thousands, if not millions of dollars. There, there, there is a lot at stake. So to be like it was classless, this and that, it's all mumbo jumbo. Let them go at it. Let them go at it. It's it's sports. Regardless of the gender, it's sports. And men's sports have obviously been the most dominant over the last since I mean since People have been watching since spectator sports have been a thing. And women's sports have slowly been able to catch up to men's sports in certain regards. Women's soccer is pretty big. The the Women's World Cup is always a big deal. Uh, Obviously, WNBA slowly growing and finding its footing. College basketball on the women's level is obviously top tier and has been and is continuing to get bigger. And for to stay at that level, we need to start trading the women's basketball and women's sports the same way we do the men's you you want to show up you want to talk smack okay you can talk smack but you better show up and win it and if you don't don't complain that it came back your way and i think we saw that in the game you know caitlin clark was talking smack all tournament and angel reese when lsu was up by 15 points 20 close to 20 points she started throwing it back and you know the girls don't hate each other there wasn't a fight there wasn't anything crazy she was talking smack and she was getting in her face and that's the sport that's competition this is a championship on the line this isn't aau basketball this isn't your summer league this is the national freaking championship and for people to be criticizing her for you know being classless or this is just ridiculous and we just need to start treating these women's sports, these women, women's games, exactly the same as we do the men's. And if we do that, it's just, we're going to slowly start to accept it as just great sport. And obviously the sports are different. Obviously 
the level of competition can be different. The level of athleticism is obviously going to be different. There are certain things that the men's players can do that the women's players can, and that's just reality. But that doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean it's not top tier. It doesn't mean that it could, can't be world class. We see that with women's soccer all the time. The Women's World Cup can be just as good as the Men's World Cup at times. I mean, those players are unbelievable. They're recognized as the best in the world because they are the best players in the world. And we look at women's basketball on the collegiate level, it's some of the best college basketball you're going to get to watch. And I'm so happy for how fantastic this tournament was this year because it shows everyone that this is a legit tournament with legit athletes with legit fans that can come out full force. Doesn't matter if they're Iowa fans or coming all the way down to Texas to watch that final four in that championship game. Doesn't matter. Oh, it's a women's sports. No one, no one watches women's basketball. Well, 12.4 million people tuning in for a game would, you know, that, that says something different, right? Caitlin Clark's summer camp sold out within, I think hours since when she put tickets on sale for her summer camp. And now we're going to see that we're going to see these these superstar athletes in the women's college basketball world start to really garner attention, get followers on social media. And with that, it's going to come NIL money. And with that, it's become more recognition where people are going to be like, they're not going to recognize, you know, the Zion Williamson's and players like that, that, you know, take the college basketball world by storm they're going to start recognizing all these women players as well. And I think Caitlin Clark is going to be that superstar that is not just going to be a big star in the women's college basketball world. She's going to become a big star in the basketball world, period. That thing is going to be fantastic because it's who doesn't want to watch more basketball? Who doesn't want to have two fantastic college March Madness tournaments on at the same time? I mean, who, who doesn't want that? It's more basketball. It makes March Madness even matter. So uh, I, I, great. I, I'm so thrilled that the tournament was as good as it was. And uh, I think next season we're going to see a lot of numbers start bumping up for, uh, for women's, both in ticket sales for regular season, uh, TV viewership, and obviously people caring about these players and these teams. And if you – if you're a college or you're a college basketball fan and you're not paying attention to what your women's team is doing, I, I would change that because for some of these schools, man, even these mid-major schools, these ladies are have fantastic programs. These teams, these schools have fantastic programs, and these ladies are fantastic athletes. I mean, you, you look over here at Belmont right here in Nashville, Vanderbilt's ladies, they struggled this year, but they had a good season last year. Uh, MTSU's ladies you know, ranked 24, 25 all season long. It's just unbelievable how they were. Sadly, they had an early exit in the NCAA tournament, but that's quality basketball we're talking about. Once again, it's it's not inferior basketball. It's it's amazing, and sometimes it could be superior. I think we saw that over this last couple of years with Belmont, Destiny Wells leading Belmont's team with head coach Bart Brooks to two NCAA tournament wins including a second round appearance fighting for a sweet 16 spot in knoxville against the lady voles lady voles eventually would come on top and win that game but belmont was fighting and you know you think belmont a little school and those who know belmont know it being a great men's basketball program under rick bird 
having players like Ian Clark and Dylan Windler. But man, the women's this women's program has been top tier for at least eight years plus now. Probably over a decade has been one of the best women's basketball programs in the country. And I will stand by that. And they've definitely given the men a run for their money of who's a better program, who's a better team, a better team, I should say. They're both top-tier programs. But who's a better team? And the women, I think, have taken the cake over the last couple of years. So if you're not a fan of your – or you're not following your women's basketball team at whatever school you support or whatever school you went to, you, you should definitely try to give them a chance because – you never you never know what could happen and you know the tournaments are always fantastic we saw the women's sec tournament was here in nashville last year it was absolutely crazy with kentucky uh taking down south carolina in the sec tournament uh just crazy stuff and it's just as can be as fun as the men and like we saw this season can be even better a lot to look forward to when it comes to women's sports growing here in nashville so many great women's teams uh, still a lot of discussion about whether Nashville is going to get an NWSL team, a professional soccer team, or maybe they're going to get a WNBA team. I know the city's open to it. The Nashville Sports Authority is, supports the initiative. It all depends on what falls in the right place. Who? What is there a millionaire out there that wants to invest in a WNBA team or professional women's soccer team? I don't know. It, it all depends and. If the league one, if either league wants to have a team in Nashville, uh, they've definitely shown interest. So I'd say this is probably the best time for women's sports and to be a women's sports fan. And it's the best time to get into women's sports because there are some great athletes and there are some great leagues. And I love college women's basketball. It's it's the best. I mean, I'm a Belmont women's basketball fan till I die. I'll always watch their games. I'll always support them. And I, I always know they're going to put out some of the best basketball, especially here in Tennessee. I know that for a fact. So before we finish today's episode, let's uh, look forward to the rest of this week and this weekend's, and I'll show you some of my top games to look out for. So first off, let's take a look at Nashville SC. They have a game this weekend at Geodes Park at 7.30 on Saturday uh, against Toronto. Toronto is currently sitting in ninth place in the East with seven points. Nashville uh, at 10 points in fifth place. Toronto's got a good team. They got some really solid players over there uh, with uh, Mark Anthony Kay, uh, obviously uh, Michael Bradley still being a top player for them. And the uh, Italian uh, uh, former Euro Cup winner, uh, Lorenzo Insignia coming out from Napoli uh, last season on Toronto. Uh, Toronto took out Nashville in Nashville last season in early August, uh, Toronto winning four to three. So Nashville putting up a fight, but once again, giving up four goals at Geodes Park. Um, I do not think we're going to see that score again this week. Joe Willis has been playing absolutely incredible. He's been playing out of his mind and you know, gave up two goals in the last three games. The two goals they gave up were brilliant strikes from New England and Cincinnati. And he probably would have gotten the win if the offense was able to uh, pick up just a little bit better. So he's been playing unbelievable. So I, I I wouldn't expect him giving up more than a goal 
this upcoming weekend. And Hani and Fafa picking up their first two goals of the year. It's going to be super exciting to see them coming up and to see if they can carry on and keep up some offensive movement. Uh, we'll see if Ronda Leal is healthy. Uh, obviously, this past weekend, not again. And another fun thing to look out for for this game coming up is uh, Jacob Schaffelberg is going to be playing against his former team. Uh, obviously, the Canadian Canadian international Schaffelberg came over to Nashville on loan last season before Mike Jacobs decided to make the decision to keep him and sign him long term. And so far, it's been uh, one of his better moves over these last two seasons. So it's going to be exciting to see if he will get the start on Saturday uh, or what time, uh, when he will come in and play and to see uh, you know him take on his former team and obviously the te- uh, his home city as well, Toronto. The Sounds are going to be away this week. They're playing a six-game series in Memphis. So if you want to make a trip out to Memphis this week and see uh, the Sounds take on the Memphis Redbirds, the affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, you should totally do that. Sounds are lots of fun, and you know Memphis is not too far. So we'll keep an eye on that series um, before they uh, they return home to take on uh, Norfolk, and they play a six-game series. So we'll keep an eye on the Sounds for you. And uh, this week, Vandy Baseball is going to be away. They're going to be playing against Mizzou at Mizzou in Columbia, uh, Columbia, Missouri, and that should be a – Pretty solid series. I mean, Vanderbilt has been unbelievable. I mean, they, they are the this is I think this is their first season ever, starting off with three straight series sweeps against conference opponents, sweeping uh, the reigning champions Ole Miss, and then sweeping the 2021 cha- national champions and Mississippi State, and then sweeping Georgia here in Nashville at Hawkins Field. I mean, this team has been unbelievable. Uh, if you Head to the Sports Credentials website. You can read a quick story wrote on Monday about how well Vanderbilt has been playing and some of their top players, uh, especially for how well they did against Georgia. So they got Mizzou this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then after that, they're going to have some tough series coming, taking on teams like Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida. All these teams are ranked. All these teams are ranked, and they're top 10 ranked nationally at the moment. So as good as Vanderbilt baseball is, they're going to have some, they're going to have quite a few major tests coming up, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So if you can get out to to, uh, Hawkins Field at some point in this season, you should totally do it because you're going to watch some of the best baseball in the country. Well, folks, that's all I have for you this week at the Sports Credential Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please be sure to follow the Sports Credential on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And make sure you follow the Sports Credential Podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, as well as YouTube. New episodes will be out every week on Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed so you get those episodes in your feed automatically and follow us on social media for all the news all breaking news deep dives into the teams feature stories we're going to have you covered so please be sure to be subscribed to us and to follow the sports credential on social media once again i am your host Stephen boero thank you guys so much for tuning in and i can't wait to talk to you guys next week <laughs>